Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. We don't talk much about education on this show, so we figured it's an opportunity to shift gears a little bit and welcome someone who, um, well, Elka, I think it's better for you to introduce yourself. Why don't you do that for us? Hi, my name is Dr. Elka Walsh, and I'm the Associate Vice President of Learning and Teaching at Microsoft Canada. What on earth does that title mean? What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. You know what? I get to have, um, I have the opportunity to partner with um, and really collaborate uh, with the K-12 schools and school boards across Canada, as well as the colleges, polytechnics, and universities, to help them with the art of the possible for what is the future of teaching and learning in our digital era. That that sounds like a very, um, the word, um, I was going to say the word daunting, but that's not the word. That's, that's like a challenging, that's a challenging mandate. How, how do you... Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I you do. It. I'm sure that obviously you're you're in the role for a reason. Can you and and, I'll, and I know we 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 planned some questions and stuff, but I'm, I want to just get some background just for for obviously the sake of the conversation. Yeah. Um, what what is what does your day to day look like? What are you doing day to day to kind of aim towards that mandate? Because this is obviously not something that is just okay, set in stone. This is what I'm doing, and here's my outcome. This is a work in progress. I'm sure that is going to evolve. Uh, long beyond your time at Microsoft and our time on this planet. Yeah. You know, it is so much about developing the relationships with educators as well as education leaders and trying to bridge the conversation to what is possible in the way that we engage students, support them to have the kinds of experiences that help them be successful, to love learning. Um, and so what that sometimes means is also helping to partner with the, um, the technology teams to uh, bridge and have good conversations about how do we bring in the technology tools at the right moment to um, really create what is a relevant, authentic experience for each and every student. Do you find that there's a careful balance trying to figure out when to introduce technology and those tools in a way that doesn't seem like you're trying to necessarily force it down someone's throat instead of making it complementing the education? Such an important consideration is it's all about the learning. So we start there. Um, What is it that students need to be learning about? What's the knowledge? What's the skill? What are the, the ways of looking at a problem, the values, the attitudes? So we start there. Because learning is so human. It's it's the ultimate human experience, really, to explore and discover new ways of understanding and, and new ideas and to innovate, to be creative. And that process is very human. So we start there. And it depends then on what kind of tools are needed. And so sometimes it's a digital tool, sometimes it's not. Um, And it's really important that we're authentic about what that is. We don't want to be searching to just go and, hey, let's figure out how we're going to use this digital tool because it's going to be cool. 
if it's not the right thing to do for the learner. And that's the important place to start is, uh, is being really authentic about what does the learner need. You know, as a parent of, of two kids, one in, in high school in Quebec, so high school, I mean, depends where you're, where you're talking about, um, and, and a daughter who is just in grade six, um, both really love learning. They really enjoy the process. And I think that really stems from the experiences they've had with their teachers. And my daughter loves her teachers. She couldn't care less what kids are in her class this year, as long as she had the teachers that she enjoyed. And and the feeling was mutual with the teachers. I think they they kind of handpicked her and said, "We want you because of obviously your drive to learn, et cetera, et cetera." Um, how do you how do you balance that technological, you know, it, it, the the implementation of it or the use of it through the different learning levels? But not only that, but different teachers have different ways of doing things. And I find even from one classroom to another, some embrace technology and really show kids how to use it properly and, and really compliments what they're doing. And others, you know, are still a little bit stuck in the old style and don't really want to go down that route. That must be a pretty big challenge. Yeah. You know, it's about change. Um, and the world is shifting so rapidly and teachers are teaching because they love to ignite that kind of love of learning um, in students. And so um, I think that's an important place for us to start. But change is hard. Um, change is sometimes scary. And that is the place where I think we need to recognize that we're a community in this, that together we can go much further and do many more things together. And it's interesting because, you know, we did this recent survey um, with teachers to try and understand what's their experience. And, you know, what we heard from them was some really interesting things. Like we heard from 35% of teachers that we surveyed said that they were um, equipped with the kind of technology tools to help them teach. And a similar number, 34%, said that teachers receive the training that they need to use those tools. Okay, so that's a really important starting place. Yeah. You know, to help with that adoption, to help with the change, we need to first understand how does the technology work. Um, And then we can start to imagine the ways that it can be put to use and in service of learning at the right moments. But that takes professional development and that takes, um, again, a community. Um, So it takes people like me from from the tech sector coming in to help with um, what is possible in that teaching moment. How do we assess? How do we engage students? Right. Um, And then it's about getting the right tool in their hands. One of the items from the survey, um, uh, you know, 60% of respondents said teaching methods should change to make the most of the classroom and the tech tools. Is that is that a new data point or is that something that you feel have been ongoing for a while? Because I feel like the pandemic really did accelerate things from a technological standpoint. And I think that 60% is a big number. That's a big, that's a majority here when you're looking at the numbers here. So is that something that you find new in the past two, three years because of the pandemic or something that has been ongoing for longer than that? You know, this idea of how do we how do we teach and how do we support support learners uh, to learn um, effectively and support their success? Anecdotally, this makes sense. You know, for those of us who deal with teachers, it's not really a surprising number. 
But I think to actually now see that it is an, an, an overwhelming majority of teachers who say we need to adapt and evolve and change our teaching methodologies, that is striking. And it means that now we have to listen. When teachers say that to us, we need to listen. And we need to now be working together around, okay, so what does that need to look like? And, you know, AI is shifting a lot of that conversation and helping us have um, energize that conversation about how do we adapt. But equally as important, I think, is one of the other statistics coming out of that survey that we did was that fewer than half of teachers, um, 48% told us that their teaching methods are inclusive. And only 46% feel that students are taught in ways that are responsive to their individual needs. Well, holy smokes, that is that moment where, okay, now how do we change the way that we teach to make sure they've got the right tools, they're learning about the right things, and every single student is being empowered to love their learning. And and that's, I mean, I can't imagine that's an easy thing to do because when you look at, you know, the profile of children, my my son is on the autism spectrum. My daughter is just kind of, you know, plain Jane, whatever, but she's also in a classroom with someone who, uh, you know, is in a wheelchair, someone who has a learning deficiency, et cetera, et cetera. So the tools need to be able to also adapt to people with all kinds of disabilities and, and learning difficulties. And how do you do that? How do you make sure that you're reaching that majority or, or just everybody at the same time and give them all the, you know, the same experience, which is what accessibility is all about. You know, Mark, I, I love to hear this because um, to me, this is really the essence of learning. And both my sons, I have two sons, one who's just started university, one who's in high school now, and both have dyslexia. And I and so I have watched them struggle um, really not find the relevance in their learning because they're not able to share and experience um, the content, share their ideas and consume the content that's there. And so the tools, though, the digital tools that we have today change the game. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I joined the team here at Microsoft and the education team particularly is because of the way that we designed the technology here with inclusion in mind from the beginning. And so, you know, nothing designed for us without us is a fundamental principle of that. Um, and, you know, when I think about universal design of learning and how teachers can be leveraging that, when paired with tools then that support that, like I think about my own kids and how um, important it is that they have access to immersive reader on their computers, that they're not singled out then as a kid who's different, um, but they've got the tools that they need because that makes sense for them personally. And, you know, I, I think of adaptive controller as another way that we can help st- help um, people who have physical barrier um, lens, right, that can, um, uh, we can take a picture and people who have visual barrier, right, can, can um, have narration for them. These are really important tools. And I think we're sitting in this moment in time where the technology, the digital tools are now catching up to the opportunity to remove barrier. And that's where I think we need to listen when teachers say, we don't know, and we need to now help them with the professional development and with the tools to get that into the classroom where it's now just part of the learning environment. You, you mentioned tools, some, some specific tools there, and I was going to ask you to, to give me some examples, but you just did that for me. I'm curious how those tools and, and similar tools like that um, help the teachers on their side, because... Obviously, that's a pivotal point in the classroom and for the kids. Yeah, you know, 
we we often know those of us who've taught in a classroom that uh, sometimes there are you know when kids face barrier, it's better to be bad than dumb. Um, you know, and that is a perception that they have that when they're facing barrier, that they're not smart, which is not true. And so they behave, though, in a way that distracts from the barrier that they're facing. So you can imagine then in a classroom where teachers are trying to manage all sorts of things to ignite excitement and help kids engage and um, have great experiences. So when we've got the tools there for the students and we can take away that feeling of being different, that take away that feeling of fear of not being able to share what they know and understand, it's a whole different ballgame. And so I think it helps teachers then focus on the learning rather than on the behaviors. And, you know, teachers also told us coming out of this survey, it was striking um, that the mental health challenges and emotional well-being that students have, 74% of teachers told us that that continues to be a major issue. And students are feeling these emotional challenges as much as uh, teachers. And so, you know, the disruption, you mentioned the pandemic, that disruption of the pandemic continues. And so those well-being challenges the tools can create a more authentic experience then. And I think that's something that we have to help teachers embed within their classroom experiences. How are schools collaborating with, with you guys at Microsoft to, uh, to access those tools and, and make sure they, they can bring them to the school? Yeah, you know, we've got some great examples. And I would say if there is a school or a school board that would like to engage, we'd love to collaborate. So reach out to me. Um, I would love to have a conversation. And let me give you a couple of really good examples. Um, so, you know, I think about uh, the Calgary Board of Education as an example, where we worked with them. They were finding that coming out of the pandemic, that youth engagement was a real problem. The students just didn't want to learn. And so we worked with them as well as with the city of Calgary to create an experience using Minecraft um, so that the students could provide a recommendation to the city on how they would um, reimagine the downtown. And so you can imagine with all of the accessibility tools there, we had over 10,000 students participating um, of all abilities. And I think that's a really exciting experience when they can take pride in their learning, share their ideas and their innovations, and actually help contribute to their city. So there are others, like Louis Riel School District um, in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. Louis Riel School District has been using OneNote. Um, we can talk about that a little bit more. It's one of my favorite tools for removing barrier. Um, they use that to uh, and did a study on how can they support students with disabilities, and does that tool OneNote um, does it successfully do that? Um, do student outcomes improve? Can they achieve more? And the answer was yes. It was a beautiful example of how they're innovating around the tools and the teaching and learning models um, and having a great impact on student success. So how do you take those those learnings and impart them? You know, a school board approaches you and says, we want to start working with Microsoft. What's that process like? How do they you, you go in, do you evaluate their needs and you figure out what they're doing right or wrong or obviously not using necessarily those terms because there's no right or no wrong here right it's just about making the experience better but what is that process like if i look at if i'm a, if I'm a board or a school yeah it does start with where are you right now um you know what's working really well and what are some of those pain points 
What are those things that you wish you could do? And so we start there. Um, and some of that, sometimes the boards have some really great data analytics in place where we can understand what's happening um, within the school from a data perspective, evidence perspective, and we work with them on that. And also um, from the teachers we get, and from education leaders, we get an assessment really of, of what's working and not working. And that's where we start to help them see what's possible. Some of that's with like design sprint workshops where I'll work with them directly around what is that possibility. Um, we have other partners um, when we want to scale rapidly within a board that support in terms of the professional development. And we create really what looks like um, a, a teaching and learning strategy where we can start thinking about what's a phase one, phase two, phase three. Um, and we test. Um, we test our ideas together about what's going to work and not work. And we're constantly evaluating then what's that impact on students. So it looks very, um, very collaborative. Uh, and it is a process that we go through. It's one where we're injecting our innovations and um, it's a collaboration where they're helping us understand um, where they need the most support. I want to ask you one last question, which is about AI. And I know that in different grades and different levels, it might play a different role. And I think how it evolves will definitely change a lot of what we're talking about right now. What do you think, and this is completely subjective, no one's going to hold you to the answer to this one, but how do you think, where's the proper balance um, on the use of AI in, in education? Because I'll, I'll give you from my perspective, you know, my son is very tech savvy. He plays with ChatGPT. He plays with Bing AI. Um, he loves it, and we've, you know, you know, slowly trying to teach him that this is, you know, don't rely on this because uh, this isn't necessarily fact. You really gotta, you know, cite your sources and do your own research. But I look at it from, I don't look at it from the negative perspective. I look at it from the positive perspective in education. Whereas I think it's going to force educational institutions to reevaluate how they test and how they teach to make sure they're accounting for things like that and making sure that, I don't know, maybe maybe spend more time interacting with the student to evaluate them instead of getting them to just write papers where there may be more opportunity for them to rely on tools that don't necessarily help them use their, their noggin. Um, is this something that I'm guessing comes up more and more, especially in your field these days? Yeah, Mark, this is such an important topic and I'm so glad that you've raised it. So a couple of things. Let me start first with what I'm hearing from teachers. Um, so back to the survey that we did with Fuse Insights, you know, a couple of key stats stand out for me in this moment where AI is really helping to transform our world. So in our survey, over only half of teachers, so 52%, said they believe students are taught in ways that are relevant to, their, to the skills they need for the future. So that means that half of teachers think they're currently not providing students with the skills that they need. The other thing is that 79% of teachers told us that data literacy and digital citizenship were essential skills for today's students. But these topics are only taught in 22% and 53% of classrooms respectively. That's really important because when I think about how that applies to AI, so there are two ways that we can think about AI and learning. The first is AI is already in use. We talked a lot about some of those accessibility technologies that support and remove barrier for students. Speech to text and text to speech as an example is AI. 
So I think it's important that we recognize that these tools are removing barrier and they are they are essential for supporting every single student. There's the other element of this. So it's the creation with the technology. So we've got the using and now the creating. When we think about those digital citizenships and the data skills that students need, the teachers have told us are essential but not being taught. It's very important that students understand how to ask really good questions. You know, the AI is going to challenge them to be able to write prompts um, and ask the right question and the right follow-on question. So they need to be able to analyze and critique and wonder and be curious. And so those are really important skill sets. And the important thing is, is as these tools are more used in society beyond the classroom, it's more important that we teach them how to use them responsibly and how to think about how they can solve the problems that our world needs them to solve. Because now we suddenly have the capacity to ask ourselves different questions to solve the wicked problems that exist out in the world. So what that also means though is students need to validate the information. They need to understand how to ensure that the information is in fact accurate and what is disinformation. This is an important moment where we have, I think as educators, a responsibility to help them explore and understand to use and create with the technology and do so in a way that helps them be responsible. You know, this this study is, is super, super interesting. Um, I've been picking it apart for a couple of days leading up to our conversation. Um, I, I think it's probably just the start. Obviously, these are things that you're going to do more often to evaluate how that work is being done in the in the classroom. And I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to kind of break it down for us. I think it's a super important conversation to continuously have. So please come back and, and share more down the road. I'd love to hear more stories, especially from the Microsoft perspective, because, you know, we spent a lot of time talking to Microsoft because exactly what you said off the top, which was inclusivity and accessibility. It's not it's not an afterthought. This is just how products are designed. And it's uh, it's something that Microsoft definitely puts a spotlight on and something that more companies and more organizations should be doing. So we applaud the work you're doing. And I want to thank you very much for taking the time to do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. It's uh, It's been a pleasure and I really look forward to continuing this conversation with you. That is Dr. Elka Walsh. It is Your Tech Report. Thank you for being here each and every single week. If you want to get in touch, contact at yourtechreport.com. We'll take a quick break and be right back. Your Tech Report will be right back. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at Let's Take This Outside.ca. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.